You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. another episode of the x-man podcast i'm your host doc coyle thank you as always for checking out the program so what's going on (laughs) uh i leave uh for tour for bad wolves tour with papa roach hollywood and dead and fall universe in one week and just got back uh from bunch of rehearsals this past weekend we were prepping for the tour and got a god forbid rehearsal in there with you know a few of the guys if you did not see the news and follow follow me on social media i probably uh, yeah i'll tell you here um god forbid announced the second guitar player who's going to be playing uh at the show at blue ridge rock festival in september and it's nick hippa formerly of azalee dying uh, great guy, great player. Uh, you know, we were keeping that under wraps for a minute, but he and I had been meeting up and jamming and, and, and going through songs, and it's been a, a lot of fun just hanging out with him and jamming and, you know, doing the whole thing. And he's he's an old friend and, you know, couldn't think of, of a better choice. I know I had, I had talked to Ali Steele, uh, former ex-Monuments, about, about doing it, but given... He's in the UK and all that uh, makes it a little tougher. And Nick, I can just go really an hour away and 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 rehearse with him. It makes things a lot a lot easier. Uh, but who knows? Maybe we'll do something with Ali down the line. But you know, people are really excited about this, and, and I'm excited about this because it's slowly coming together. Everything's getting a little a little bit tighter. Every time we play, we're gonna jam again uh, this weekend and get get a re- some rehearsals in with the full band a week of the show. So if you don't have your tickets for the for the old Blue Ridge Rock Fest, well, you're going to miss out on this one. But, you know, you never know. We might do some other stuff. There are talks. Uh, what else is going on? So I, <laughs> uh, I haven't had a drink in three weeks, okay, which, you know, is not, I know it's not, not, not the most in, impressive thing in the world, but, you know, it's a, uh, it's going, you know, I, I, I don't, I haven't found any like revelations in, in that experience, but it's definitely easier to get things done. You know, when you're kind of focused, I think, you know, my, definitely my, my mood has been a lot more stable and, you know, I'm sure I just feel overall a little bit, a little bit healthier, but it is, it is, it is not a solve all, you know, I think it, it allows you to kind of 
maybe deal with some emotions that um, perhaps you weren't dealing with. So I, I like that aspect of it, um, of being kind of direct in uh, confronting, you know, just, just whatever's going on. It's, it's a lot harder to kind of ignore. So I enjoy that. And then I did something today, which maybe, maybe I'll regret is I, I started a, a juice cleanse. Uh, and my, my girlfriend joined along with me in solidarity, solidarity, supposedly. And, uh, you know, I was like, I was like, you know what? I'm doing a photo shoot this week. I'm doing, you know, I'm shooting a music video. I'm like, you know, let me, you know, let me, you know, just try this out, you know. And also, I kind of like the idea in concert with the, you know, just being sober, you know, just kind of pushing myself and trying things, and and you know, I was hoping to have some kind of revelatory, you know, Buddhist like uh, situation. You know, you hear about that with, you know, so many religions involve fasting and things of that nature, and and there's there's been no. There's been no revelation here either. <laughs> it's been a pretty miserable day. Um, it's been hard to, so it's like the, you get these six juices, you know, and it's like different. Each one has different ingredients. You know, if you've ever done, I'm drinking one right now. It's a alkaline lemon agave activated charcoal and Himalayan salt. It's pretty terrible. Uh, you have six of these a day. They're all slightly different, but I just had a sip of it of my terrible juice right there. And uh, we'll see. I, I kind of like the idea of doing something that's slightly miserable um, to push myself, you know, because I just don't do that enough. I'm, I feel like I'm woefully undisciplined. So I'm, I'm uh, integrating some discipline. We'll see how it goes. You know, um, let's see if I can get some sleep. That's the real that's the real test. It's hard. I, it's hard for me to sleep when I'm, if I'm hungry. So. But we're, we're about to find out. But you know, I'm trying things. I'm trying to evolve. Uh, never done a tour sober. Uh, so that's like another challenge. So I think that's it's important. You get older, try different things. Put yourself, be be okay with being uncomfortable. You know, that's okay. Uh, stepping a little bit in, in, into the unknown. So I'm just, I'm just trying some things out. Who knows if, if they'll take, you know, I, I feel a little... Uh, I even feel a little uncomfortable talking talking about it on the show because I think sometimes, you know, you start talking about things like it's an accomplishment and you feel some gratification and maybe you don't, uh, you know, stick to it or <clears throat> or maybe it jinxes it or something or I don't know. Um, and I haven't set any really hard goals of like, oh, I'm going to stop drinking for a month. Or, I'm going to stop drinking for a year. Or, I'm going to stop drinking forever. Uh, told myself. I wanted to stop drinking until it, it felt less habitual, you know, like that thing I, I needed to do. When I say need to do, it's not like I'm running the house and I, you know, let me drink a bottle of Jack Daniels because I got the shakes. It's just, uh, it's just always kind of there, you know, just a nice little, oh, just chill out the mood a little bit. Um, I don't know. So we'll see. So I'm slowly removing all the things that are enjoyable in life. At first, alcohol, now food. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you know, figure figure out where where you can make it work. <laughs> but yeah, it's been a little bit just getting things done. I've been very tired today. I have a headache right now, but I'm powering through. That's how we do. So there is no sponsor today. Uh, if you like to sponsor the show. 
we have some openings. So uh, hit your boy up, uh, step up in my email address, the X-Men podcast at gmail.com. Remember that is EX. Uh, but what I am going to do is play a brand new Bad Wolves song. It's a B-side from the last record that we finished up after the record was done. Um, and it's going to be part of a digital EP that'll be coming out, I think actually in the next week. So uh, people kind of talk about it like it's a single. I don't really view it that way. It's it's a it's a hey here's the B side we did, but it's a it's a pretty catchy ditty. Uh, I really enjoy it, and I hope you enjoy it as well. This one is entitled "The Body."
So that was The Body, brand new deep cut track released by Bad Wolves recently. And like I said, that EP, uh, there's only one other like brand new song, which is also another B-side from Dear Monsters. And it's kind of some like reimaginings of some other song from the record. So, you know, you'll you'll see it pretty soon, but I hope you dug that. I hope you dig the EP. We have a new video coming out as well. It's pretty badass. Looking forward to you all seeing that as well. So with that out of the way, just got to give a little intro real quick to our guest this week, you know, and it, and it ties into the song we just played because it's Max Karen, the original member of Bad Wolves before it was called Bad Wolves, uh, even before I joined the band and, you know, he just rejoined the band and he's amazing. He's a really good friend and just a, just an all around fascinating human being. <laughs> and so it was just a, I kind of wanted to have him on the show even before he re- rejoined the band, uh, just to kind of tell his story. But, uh, there's a lot of stuff in here that I didn't even, even know. So that, that's a good thing about the show. It gives you that opportunity to ask those, uh, those, those questions that maybe wouldn't come up in, in normal life. So please check out my conversation with the incredible Mr. Max. Karen. This is a long time coming. You, you and I uh, doing the show. We we've talked about this going back a while now. Uh, but it but I say this it it always happens when it's supposed to happen. I yep. Feel like you know, and this is absolutely the the perfect time because in many ways I feel like. If we had you on the show, you know, a year or two ago, there's probably things we wouldn't talk about as openly yeah. or maybe be, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I mean, I could certainly give the the full and undisclosed history if that's a topic today. Sure. No, no. Yeah, yeah no, we're going we're gonna to get in into everything. But uh, well, anyway, w- welcome to the X-Man podcast. And you are, I don't know, are you... I don't know what's what's ready for 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 prime time. Are you an active member in uh in Once Human as as we speak, or is it just kind of on the back burner? Or what's 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 the deal? Can, or can you even say? I can say that uh, the ball is in my court. Okay. I can say that I'm I'm as in Once Human as I want to be, and Once Human is as alive as I want to be. Me and you know couple other people but yeah for right now the ball's in my court all right so you're not technically you're not x-men technically uh i used to be in a band in high school okay okay what was this That's, band uh death muffin stop lying death Mu- muffin i played bass and death muffin did you come up with that name i did not <laughs> that sounds like one of the temporary names for like a song we're working on <laughs> Yeah, those those were those were glory days. Yeah, being the bass player of Death Muffin. So I am I am an X Man. Well, I so people might, might not know this. Uh, Max is also quite the baker. Apparently, he makes <laughs> incredible bread. And I'm just like, and me, you know, I see the branding opportunities all over the place, and I have to pounce on them. You know, Death Muffin as like a heavy metal bake shop you know is just sitting there it's sitting there on the table you know if you want to you know expand your kind of prowess as a uh, entrepreneur and also as a baker 
All right. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, the trick to bread is let the protein chains polymerize for longer. <laughs> That's it. What was, what was that? Was that word used? Polymerize? <laughs> See? Just let it let it let it rise longer and then you have amazing bread. That's the entire secret. Just do there that. There you go. See, but but I, I was going to put this out there. So, I I often uh profess uh about Max's genius in in many uh <laughs> in many fields. Uh, whether it's music or coffee, I remember one time we were we were working on I think the second record, uh, Nation, and we're just out we're out getting lunch somewhere, and and we just started talking about coffee, and then Max goes into his coffee routine and like, but he knows why. That to me, I like I do things. I don't know why the things I'm doing work. He can tell you exactly why, down to a detail, the chemicals that are coagulating and the biology. <laughs> And the temp scientific, like you're like a, a scientist, I feel like. But I mean, by the same token, there was a uh, there was a hard times post, and the gist was, man convinced that more inconvenient way of making coffee is better. So uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's still just coffee. Well, I have to say this, uh, you know, someone who has uh, tried a few different methods, I'm still a Keurig guy, and it's um it's very convenient, and it's uh, the thing I like about the Keurig is that. You know, you don't have to have the burden of a full pot. You know, you just go and get your your single serve. And I know it's bad for the environment, from, from what I've heard, which is which saddens me. But I'm a addict, okay? A drug <laughs> addicts going to do what they need to get their fix. So my apologies. I'm a ex French press. I'm now on the clever dripper. Clever dripper, what's that? Basically, it's a pour over that steeps. Okay. All right. So basically, right. you get you get the advantage of steeping, but then the the coffee goes through the filter. I basically found that all the dissolved solids that didn't quite get stopped by the mesh in the French press just sort of gave me more anxiety than I'm already owed. You know, right. so <laughs> yeah, paper filters, amazing. So you, know, so you know what I like about this? We're already in the weeds, and we just started. This is beautiful. I'm loving it. <laughs> I'm loving it. Uh, but um. But but no, just I'm just giving people a little bit of a view in, in into your personality, which is uh, which is unique, and your 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 skill set is unique. And um, you know, I've I've the time I've had to to spend with you and work with you and and do things because it's this weird thing where we've kind of been in the same band without being in the same band. It's the, it's yes. a strange relationship you and I have, you know, um, where <laughs> you know because you know we're on record four. Which is fucking yes. weird, weird to to fucking say, because record three, we worked on the record together, but we did it not in the same room, which makes it even stranger. So it's like it feels like we worked on two records, but it's it's just I don't know. A lot a lot about it has been strange, but I mean, even alone, even personally, uh, just just the idea of. Uh, kind of identifying as a musician and doing that but then also not and then going doing something else and so i i kind of kept a lot of for a lot of years i kept a lot of little burners running and i could never uh fully dive into one and i that's something i think about a lot why couldn't i do that and i could come up with all sorts of reasons but uh lately post pandemic that's changed yeah you know? can i ask you a little bit about your background because Believe it or not, even when you are uh, friends with people and you work with people, you don't often uh, interview them 
right. about, about their past in uh, in day to day conversation. But um, there's a lot of things actually I, I I I don't know about you. So when I met you, you were guitar teching for uh, Devil Driver, and this was mm-hmm. 2014. Uh, what were you doing previous to to that that led you to kind of that that place when we met? So, uh, basically I'll, I'll start back in high school. I got a guitar and a hard disc recorder and, uh, what kind of guitar it I'm, I saved up my pretty pennies for this very Ibanez K seven. The one, wow. The, the legendary K seven. It wasn't the first guitar I had. I think it was all of third. Okay. First one was like a Fender Squire. I got it 11, but didn't play till 13. Um, second one was a BC Rich Warlock, since Pond. <laughs> and uh, uh, this would be the third, the Ibanez K7. And this just totally turned me into an Ibanez man. Yeah, it's a badass guitar. But um, yeah, so Yamaha hard disk recorder, that guitar, and like a Crate amp to start with. And, uh, <laughs> and Shout it, out to Crate. Shout out to Crete. Right? Yeah. It started me uh, on this sort of path of, uh, you know, being locked into recording as as the sort of means of creativity where I never really had the band to jam with. It's always been a lot of like playing guitar alone, completing ideas alone, making drums alone and interfacing that with a recording environment alone. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was like a very you know personal thing that. I just did. It just was part of me. I just did that. But literally you were doing this by yourself, like not in a collaborative space. Uh, Occasionally I would take the skills that I had, you know, gotten alone and, and try to apply it to being in a band. For example, every time I found I played guitar, it had to be my ideas, which is why I ended up playing bass in death muffin. Cause I was just having a good time. Yeah. For example. But then I had my own crappy, uh, older high school band. I'm never, ever, ever going to show anybody those demos uh <laughs> but it they exist somewhere unfortunately and um so that it was a very personal thing you know just always part of me writing writing music and and uh but i never you know dad i remember dad coming to the garage one day and saying is if only you worked on your school work a tenth as hard as you worked on this music so obsessively so focused i know you can focus um wait so you 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 were not a good student because i that doesn't work with uh, you, i was you, selective i was very good at the shit i had patience for sure and and i didn't care about the things that sort of gave me resistance mm. uh any any sort of like an impatient resistance but I, I really enjoyed diving into the stuff that i cared a great deal about and that pattern has persisted i promise you um so Went to a recording school uh, for college. Went to Expression College in Emeryville. It was basically a three-year bachelor program, just sort of light a light touch on the general academics, but it's mostly you're you're learning about recording and stuff. And um, that that was a nice way to stay inundated. But you know, the whole purpose of that personally was so I could like take those skills and apply them at home at the computer with the guitar. It was all to grow this thing. And meanwhile, this thing that I was growing, I never felt it was like viable in life ever. It was just sort of the thing that I did. And what am I going to be when I grow up while I also play guitar at home? Um, I graduated that college, 
one thing led to another. And then I started working at a, like a sort of a corporate AV company in Huntington Beach, where I'm from, called Pacific Coast Entertainment. They kind of pulled me off the street because I, I walked in with uh, shitty dress shoes from Target, a smile and a resume. But they liked that, even though there were guys with a bazillion times more experience. So I got started in the warehouse there. I started driving trucks, making deliveries. And that's where I started learning about the live world. And then that, you know, learned a lot going through being in Southern California. But still, I've always been subconsciously or consciously attracted to metal and rock and the metal dream and touring. And it's, it's always been a thing. So um, Coal Chamber had reunited in 2012 and uh the bass player then was this girl named chella and i was friends with chella on the internet through my group of metalhead friends and we would talk and share demos and, and shit and uh and i made this joke to her once because i was a little desperate for change i was just like i it'd be look at you go into the real like the real thing you're doing the real thing i can't believe it so i said ha i could be your guitar tech one day ha you know just sort of joking but she mentioned that to, to Des, I think. And I was the one that she knew in Southern California. So via that joke and me giving her a ride from LAX to Third Encore in Hollywood and just sitting there awkwardly staring at Cold Chamber rehearse, I became so insecure just looking at them that I made myself busy as a defense mechanism. So I went, I went into my car and I got my backpack full of basic corporate AV tools, which as you see is now playing into the soul. And like, you know, uh, can you fix my action? Can you do this? Can you do that? The thing that actually got me into being a guitar tech was this moment that I solved a MIDI issue for Meigs. It's like, Hey, can you make this pedal talk to this amp on this way right here? And it was just like, if there are three banks of 16, and you need number three from B. Let's try 19. <laughs> and it worked. And all of a sudden, I was the guy who could like fix it. And I was like the go-getter attitude. Meanwhile, my go-getter attitude is just like, you know, because I'm insecure and I couldn't just stare at these dudes all entitled and on the fucking couch. Um, so I kept showing up because it was fun. And then one day, Des walks past and he's like, you really want the gig, don't you? And I had no fucking clue what he was talking about. So I said, yeah. <laughs> Sure do. <laughs> and then I was on tour with Cold Chamber and, and there was all sorts of, uh, are you sure this guy's never toured? Are you sure? And uh, apparently the story goes that Meeks really, really, really would, it was advocating for me. He would not have it any other way. This is the guy that I want. He solved my MIDI problem. That's him. That's it. <laughs> so I just became a guitar tech through watching a bunch of fucking YouTube videos and like becoming the thing as fast as I possibly could. Cause all of a sudden this exists and this is cool. Jumped into that. Uh, Can I ask you a question cool. real, real quick? Um, yeah. Were you surrounded uh, by more, I, I would imagine be more veteran uh, touring professionals on the first tour I ever did. Yeah. With the cold chamber. Absolutely. Yeah. Were they, were I was they the like, newest. Were they amenable to you? Were they helpful? Were they kind of on your ass? How, how was the experience? They, ex uh, in retrospect, I spoke to them about this. They expected to dislike me. <laughs> they expected to have a hard time. And I rolled in. Okay, so I like I said, I watched a bunch of YouTube videos on how to be a guitar tech because I, I barely knew the thing <laughs> existed, right? So there was this guy. 
he was like a, a, an arena country guitar tech. And like, so he had this double wide, you know, work box, two sets of drawers and shit. And I got this email a couple months prior, like, all right, you're going to need a work box. And so I thought, okay, yeah, I'll get a work box. So I got this fucking Mondo fuck case built like <laughs> eight drawers, big old work surface. This thing's four by four by two or something just just massive i walk in i roll into third encore on the first day of these rehearsals and i remembered leonard Contreras essay the, the sound guy Shout i out rolled to in lenny yeah lenny i rolled in push this case the first thing anybody in cold chamber says to me as i think i got my shit together i'm prepped he says what the fuck is that <laughs> So and then I'm just like I turn bright red. I'm like, no, it's not a work box that they really meant. Is it's a clamshell that opens. It's like a little briefcase. Yeah. Uh, for fuck's sake. And then they had a bunch of lights, and they were worried about the trailer pack, and there I was causing a problem. But did it? There fit? I was. Did it fit? It fit. Okay. So we, it, it, it fit. All, it all worked out. It all worked out, and you know, Cold Chamber led to Devil Driver, uh, in Europe, or yeah, shit, Cold Chamber. Spring in the States, June, Europe, uh, and then August, Devil Driver in Europe. And this is all 2013, and then it just started to cruise. And so in being the guy who has always had a personal relationship with recording music at home, alone, and then finally being in this environment, like, occasionally I would, after a couple months of working in Devil Driver, sort of like, talk about my music, start to show my demos. And it turns out John was one of the last people I talked to and connected with in Devil Driver because at the time I was uh, very overtly weird to sort of cover up the fact that I wasn't quite secure in being there in the first place. I felt like I had just chameleoned myself into guitar teching and I was just this fucking scared kid or something. Anyway, so I just took it out by being like, and John was just like, "Jeez, Christ, this guy." Can, can, and, I, ask you, uh, can, can I ask you a question? Um, as someone who previously uh, had not been a touring individual, how did you take to the lifestyle of being on the road all the time and just that? Because that's such a a culture shock in in many ways because it's so so different than kind of day to day regular nine to five uh, working life. Perfect. I, it was purpose in a nutshell. It was uh, a definition and purpose that like stuck so fast and hard uh, because one thing that really bothered me about Southern California, um, I had this sort of nightmare scenario of I have to go to work to pay to go be at home, to pay for the car, to go back to work. And it was all just this cycle of being on a grid and paying for shit. And it terrified me because there was no inherent value in that for me. And like, what am I supposed to like, what, where's the joy? Where's the meaning in this? And I, it was just like, you know, the theme of my 2011 and 2012 was, um, what the fuck's the point? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so touring came at an, an amazing time for me because it was just like, holy shit, this exists. This is beautiful. It, it, uh, yeah, that was a, a wonderful and well-accepted change and the travel felt so natural and, and, uh, and meaningful. So question, uh, so longer story short, I ended up, you know, hanging out with John a little bit more. We started making some more inside jokes, finding common ground. 
and then uh, showed him some of my demos and occasionally like sort of quickly jammed with him in like dressing rooms on on shared practice amps. And I didn't know this, but he had developed quite a quite an opinion of, of me and my writing and, and sense of music. And I had no idea because all he did was criticize. And what do you he's mean? like, you know, he criticized he would hear something you would play and then he would criticize it totally in a very productive way. But no one else had ever done that. So I was of the opinion that this dude, this dude was just like, eh, you know, because everybody else you show, you show a demo to friends. You're like, this is sick. And John was like, ah, oh, this is way too fucking long. You could have chopped this whole part, dude. <laughs> his, uh, no, no, actually, I actually do think that's a, um, that's one of his strong suits because that's how you kind of, cut through uh the niceties to go all right here's a kernel of something good but how do we get great out of something good and uh so it's funny you 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 mentioned this kind of behind the scene you know backstage playing on on amps and stuff because i'm telling you this is i don't believe in fate okay i don't believe in predetermination or you know i'm not a religious person but so when i was moving from New Jersey to Los Angeles. I got stuck in Chicago for a week, and then I was stuck in Denver for longer than a week because my car uh, broke down. And I figured out, I came with an idea. I was like, how am I going to get to L.A.? I had to abandon my car, and I was like, I started looking at tour schedules. And (laughs) I was like, oh, Devil Driver's going from Denver West. And so I, I, I called John up and uh, you know, after a little debate, the band agreed to give me a ride to L.A. And we were and this is when we met and we were backstage and I was uh, going to jump on stage and play um, what song? Uh, one of the, one of the big Devil Driver songs. I forget, forget the name of it off the top of my head from the first record. Their big hit. Uh, I could care less. I was like I was going to jump on stage and, and play with them. So it was an amp and I was like working on the song. And then I remember somehow within that you picked up the guitar it was probably my guitar and started playing and i was like holy shit that guy's got a fucking right hand out of like <laughs> i don't even know where like i just felt i was like god damn that shit's no joke but it was funny because it was me you and john and john was like showing me some of his new riffs and we were just like hanging out almost and it almost felt like you know not that we were putting a band together but it was it was so prophetic because like i said i'm just moving across country i just met you yeah devil driver just happened to the band to give me a ride and then within you know uh a couple weeks essentially of me being in la john's telling me he's leaving devil driver and he's starting a project with you and he was showing me demos almost immediately as is when i when i moved to la so I guess maybe you can give me a little bit more background on how it went from maybe you guys riffing a little backstage to actually starting a project together. Well, it came to me as kind of a shock. Uh, Middle of July, 2014, one random morning, I woke up to a drunk text from John and it, it shocked the hell out of me. He was basically saying, I'm going to leave devil driver. And it would be, I think, an honor to write with me. And my first thought was, who the fuck am I? You know, and what that led to was, uh, I don't know, a week later or something. There I was kind of with like a very slim down setup. It was like a laptop and an Axe effects, really. 
um, we were working on our first demo. And the reason I think I mentioned that this, you know, me with the DAW and the guitar and all that had, had been so personal. The reason I said that like five times earlier, uh, is because it was weird to have, to, to be in the same space with somebody who was familiar with the, the task mm. in a way. And I mean, it felt so, so much like my own, like how, how could you already know about this? And so working with Johnny, it's just like, yeah, yeah why, why don't you try moving this part here? Do this, do that. I was like, how? How do you know these things? <laughs> this is my universe. <laughs> but I mean, it wasn't. It's like that's, that was my illusion for so long. But, you know, everybody has a DAW and a guitar. So anyway, um, the first time that, that I ever worked with somebody who was like, you know, familiar, up to speed and on the same page was John. And that, that was kind of a trip because, you know, only a few years prior in that same house, it was like the first demos were at my dad's house or something. You know, I was I was downstairs listening to like the end of the line intro and stuff, and I remember thinking, "Who the fuck wrote this?" Small world, really cool, but um, yeah, it was it was a. Uh, I would say the shock. If speaking of culture shocks, you asked about touring earlier. It was a bigger culture shock to me, working with somebody who was already familiar with putting songs together in a DAW than it was going on tour. Yeah. Well, that's apparent. Apparently, though, that's how Devil Driver wrote was pretty much in front of a computer. And it's interesting because, you know, Devil Driver and God forbid were, um, you know, relatively of the of the same era, era. We were peers, but God forbid worked, you know, started in the mid 90s in the, under different names and had a very garage band, um, not the program, but literally playing in a garage and playing in basements, you know, composing together as a group, very kind of analog um, type of process. And it, it evolved through the years. So it's interesting that, you know, I'm, I discovered, you know, sitting, sitting in front of a computer and working on, on music on a grid with a line six or something much later, I kind of evolved into it. But John, mm -hmm. that was his, his experience for a long time. So he was really used to that that process and you know and, and i think a lot of people even i can sorry i'm gonna kind of get a little confused here with the way i'm ex explaining this but the perception of john was like oh he was like the lead writer in in devil driver and i think i didn't even really have a perception of what that meant you know considering that he was a drummer but he, i know he played guitar did some stuff but when you're actually in the room with him and you see that he's essentially like a um to me, he's like a maestro, you know, he's like a conductor, but instead of yeah. an orchestra, he conducts individuals like you or other producers or whomever is working the technology or can, who can perform to go, hey, I need to get this idea and, the, and then that individual be the conduit through which he'll kind of conduct those ideas. And it's just this process of like, create something, get it out, arrange rearrange try this it's very like bang 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 it's it's this weird thing because it's it's fast paced but it also takes a lot of focus and attention to detail it's very it's a yep. very interesting process you know well yeah so functionally the the first person that i'd done a shitload of you know meaningful actual work was john and so a lot of who i am now 
as a, a songwriter and a guy using a DAW has definitely been informed by his style of work without a doubt. <laughs> so God, there were a couple years where it was harder for me to detach from ideas that I'd had because most of what I'd been doing in my life prior to that was staying attached to my ideas. But it's, it's, uh, I call it the John doctrine, you know, quickly destroy, erase, improve. The garbage, <laughs> as I call, I call him the garbage man. That motherfucker throw, he'll throw whatever away. He yeah. Don't care. If it doesn't sit right in his gut, he's just like, fuck that, move on. It's just like, <laughs> you know, so that took me years to get used to, but now I'm, I'm all about it because it's just like, what if there's something fresher on the other side of a, a little bit of effort? Just, yeah. Don't stay attached. Keep moving. So it's, it's been informative. It's been, it's been good. But yeah, driving, driving a session, playing guitar, putting the shit together, punching in the drums. John is a maestro. He's sitting back and he's thinking about a couple moves in advance. And, uh, I've had to sort of ask him to hold back on delivering those ideas to me until I finish each task. Cause I'm there, I'm there tasking. Yeah. Like, Hey, what about it? Oh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> one, one day there'll be like an AI robot that can, uh, perform the task at the, at the speed of John's thoughts, you know, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Probably. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, can I ask you a little bit about your, your background just as a guitar player in terms of how you formulated your, your style? Because the, the one of the things that is so evident uh, to me, because I, I know the way you play and how you write and your melodic sensibility and the kind of riffs that you tend to uh, put together, but there's so few people out there that have a sound that have a style and you're one of those people like I and I've said for years and, it's, and you know I'm not going to say who said this but I was you know when when Bad Wolves first broke out you know I was t essentially told not to really talk about Max you know I was I was informed and I remember and I remember disagreeing with it because I a I just think in, in many environments, if you have uh, that kind of the two pathways in front of you of being honest or dishonesty, honesty is always the thing that, you know, authenticity is always the thing that matters the most, in my opinion. I think it's the thing that's going to pay off, you know, but I, I had to edit myself to not kind of give you the credit I think you deserve because when I joined the band, I knew it was a reflection of your sound and your style. And of course, John as well. But like I said, you were the one that was physically playing most of that stuff. And we have this term like to maxify a riff, which is like <laughs> I bring in a riff or, or John brings in a riff and then Max kind of takes that part and then adds this flair to it, whether that's some extra notation or uh, uh, an expression within it that kind of takes it up to the next level and gives it this this um, this character. You know, there's this really distinct character and, 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 it all, and it's 99 and 100 times it's going to be and improvement so what what kind of led you to like the what do you think led to you to your kind of identity as a player a lot of it has been informed by believing in the sound of what i'm doing hmm. um so i think because i started with recording so early I started with capturing sound so early and and trying to make believable songs ish so early 
a lot of how I've sort of taught myself to play guitar, like you mentioned my right hand earlier, you know, I, I guess subconsciously, I suppose I, I put a lot of effort into having the picking even just sound nasty, having it, having it sound more believable, uh, towards towards that end I, I suppose towards the the goal of believing in the sound so there's a lot of like god there's a lot of the the technology that i'm using for example that informs the musical choices i make so i i was describing this like earlier today even um there's one argument that good music is is good music and you should be able to make it you know if it sounds good in a tab program as played by digital guitars it's going to be good music but at the same time, I think there are things there are things you can do and accentuate um, with a guitar in your hand and some weird options that that don't necessarily translate as simple musical notation. There's there's a little bit of the the swagger, I suppose. There's about you know how you play it, how you pick, and all these little things. So I guess what's what's in, inspired me as a player is getting the the biggest and most believable sound out of the tools I was using. And, um, I mean, for example, in the middle of high school, I slapped Meshuggah pickups, Meshuggah signature pickups into this Ivan SK seven. And I've really not been able to get on anything else since. I mean, I've had good luck with a couple of Duncans, but like, um, I don't, I don't know. I, I pick hard. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but it's it's hard with a a purpose, and it's funny because my perspective, right? With God forbid, my brother originally was like the right hand man, and he he had great feel. He was he could he had that kind of like being able to play kind of behind the beat thing. I was always a little ahead, um, but through the years, I just really worked on my playing, and I I became basically the guy that played most of the rhythms, you know, or you know. 90% of the rhythms on a on a on a God forbid album and then even with the next band I did Vegas Nerve I played most of the guitars so it's so crazy for me to be in a situation where it's like and this is something um you know you know speaking to people that may if you're not in a band and especially when you go back to the more traditional ways of making records where you're in the studio and maybe you had 3 weeks to do a record or something 9 out of 10 times you're going to the person who's going to play the part, if you have two guitar players in a band, the person who's going to play the part the tightest um, will probably play it, even if you have two two guitar players. Um, and there's almost no situation where, like, I, I feel like in a certain environment, especially with battle type stuff, that I feel like I'm going to play a rhythm part better than you or tighter. Like, it's crazy. Like, the way I would used to do records is you'd write a bunch of material, then you'd practice it, and then go into the studio so you were prepared for that time. Like, okay, I need to, like, hammer this this out. But you would prepare for it. But, you know, Max is so good. We'll write something or, you know, we'll bring an idea. And then he'll essentially practice it for about three or four minutes and then track it. And it's basically, like, album quality in terms of the tightness. And I can't express, like, how fucked up that is because you just like me because no because i i almost feel like obsolete because it's like well if you give me some time i'll go home and i'll work on it i promise i'll do it well you know you feel like you're like 
failing on a test that doesn't even exist, but it's but it's just kind of taking things into perspective because I'm seeing like so much a, a part of the creative process in modern times is kind of about time efficiency. Is right is like we you can't get hung up on on stuff. It's like well if, if and I go you know if Max is gonna play it better and do the thing just. Let's just go. Let's go. And you can't like, I really don't have an ego about it. It's really, it's only when, you know, things came out, you know, in the last year or so to kind of slime the band that, you know, just ugly stuff. That's kind of pointless. Um, but like, I don't personally care about it because I don't, you know, I'm confident in my ability as a guitar player, but there are certain elements to the bad wolf style, which is a much more modern guitar style that I had to, I'm still acclimating myself to it, that you are like preternaturally gifted at, you know? And it's like, there's certain things, Max, same thing like when we had Ali Steele filling in on the last tour, and you just hear the way he plays certain things. It's like, I just don't play that way, the way you you guys, because you grew up on a totally different set of music and metal and the way you approach the instrument and dealing with extended scale instruments and coming up listening to Meshuggah and like I said you learned yes. recording yourself where it's like I didn't re record myself officially till I was in a studio years by someone else. so it's this very different like for example you've probably always uh, been used to uh, playing guitar to a click for example always yeah I didn't do that for years which is probably <laughs> yeah. why, why it's in and so it's like this thing of of just kind of under understanding that so it's uh but yeah, it's it's just it's it's incredible. And Max, I would say, is in the way like I think a lot of times when people talk about um, virtuosic guitar playing, usually it's referred to like lead playing. I feel like, but I think you're a virtuoso when it comes to rhythm. You know, in the way that we think of like people like Dino Cazares or the Meshuggah guys, like those, you know, in that particular realm, or even, you know, like Misha has a thing and John Brown has a thing, like people that, which is kind of cool because it's like this new era where like guitar is essentially a new percussion instrument. And you have to perceive that differently as a modern guitar playing these more modern type riffs, you know, and, and playing. I think that's exactly it. Um, so for all of my strengths, right? I cannot impress anybody with uh, lead playing, really. That's uh, not really it's... true. This motherfucker be playing. I went to the Once Human show. He <laughs> was playing every lead flawlessly. You know what I'm saying? No problem. And he has incredible vibrato. See, he's he's being very humble, but no, but, you know. okay, the, but those aren't those aren't particularly fast. I'm not climbing all over the neck, but they're they, musically they mean something. So hey, like Pink, just Pink like Floyd my high fast, school work, but, but the the tone, man. Some people just got the tone in their hand, that's, bro. But that's the only that's just just like my high school work. That's the only thing I've cared about. So it's the only thing I pursued. And so there are these gaping holes in my playing. Yeah, that that like. Go to a jam night, Max. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, you know, make something believable at home in, you know, with a click and you're programming drums by hand and stuff. It's like, yeah, I'm good because that's just what I've been doing. So, you know, for, for all of the for all of my strong suits, I mean, there's some there are, you know, what makes a what makes a full, complete, well-rounded guitar player. I'm not it. You know, uh, I wouldn't say I'm a one trick pony, but I'm. I've got my tricks and, and I'm good at them and I like them, but there are some other spots where it's just like, 
you know, so that's the truth. Well, I think I think I think you're being very very humble. Like in the in the same way, like could uh, Eddie Van Halen play in Metallica, right? Like, is that saying Eddie Van Halen's a one trick pony? It's like no, Eddie Van Halen is by far the best version of Eddie Van Halen, and it's and it's a pl- it's really only applicable in a few uh, settings. But it's but it but being that still makes him one of the greatest people to ever pick up a guitar. So, uh, so your humility will not be accepted on the show, sir. All right, <laughs> man. That's the thing. So, like, you know, that's that's the sort of joining the band. That's the sort of the meaning of it for me. Is you know, if there's a place in the world for me being able to specialize in the thing I've I've done without thinking since high school, then of course, fucking, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Why so, I don't know. Why I didn't. <laughs> so I want to talk just a little bit about your guitar tone, which really in many ways is is the Bad Wolves guitar tone. Um, you know, what inspired, I mean, how would you describe it? And how has it evolved? And what was like your goals when you're kind of trying to develop this sound? So I like a lot of pick clarity a lot. I like a lot of string attack and that goes into what you were saying about how it's a percussion instrument these days. Um, but I also, you know, I need my fair bit of warmth. And so it's, it's been a search, uh, interfacing kind of my dreams with the reality of the equipment out there and, and what that really amounts to. And, uh, I think I'm in as good a place as I've ever been tone wise. And uh, it, it, it just came out through having an original Axe Effects in college and beyond was a great way to test the palate of, of all the flavors out there in the world. And so it's, you know, through having an Axe Effects that I found that I liked certain cabs and certain speakers in them, even though none of them were real, but they were as good as I can get in, a, in the apartment. Um, certain flavors of amp sort of stuck out to me a little bit more, you know? So it's like, yeah, Mesa's didn't work for me. Marshall's they rock didn't work for me, but the the copy of the Fryette that worked. (laughs) Uh, and then everybody was all, you know, for a long time about, you know, the 5150 and the, the, uh, the 808 style kind of overdrives and and that thing. Kill switch type tone. Right. And, uh, it the the band pass quality of that pedal it never it never worked with kind of how i played which was always that sort of more percussive thing where it's got kind of a full range of lows and highs and always been a a weird balance of trying to get string attack and some zing without being too harsh or peaky or anything weird like that and um pretty much what that has amounted to is discovering that uh a TC electronics integrated preamp clone going into this rev generator is as happy as I've ever been. Um, and there you have it. And that that's going into a fake angle cab on a two notes. And, and that's, that's it. I mean, uh, in high school for a while, towards the end, I like, I, I owned a, a, uh, an angle power ball. And I was yeah, running that are, into a Mesa cab. Yeah. And um and that 
getting used to the sound of that amp actually probably did me some some permanent damage as far as what I think tone should be because it was fantastic and bright <laughs> and uh, and clear and so there's still a lot of exploration I want to do I I don't really have a revolving door of like of gear I think maybe now I can begin to try some more things but it's always been sort of slow pace change but a lot of experimentation with what I have yeah uh, but um yeah I, I would I would describe my guitar tone as something that sounds clear when you pick it hard as shit uh, you can get you can get nasty attitude out of it and still get enough warmth from the bottom end while you're getting variable amounts and, and I don't like active pickups at all uh, I really really don't I like passive pickups because I, I really feel that you know I I had a, an eight string with uh, I had an eight string with active pickups in it and I felt like it turned my like my 10 velocity or whatever maximum velocity playing into about a five or a six yeah and it turned my absolutely light touch into about a five or a six where I, I really like the the sort of honest dynamic response of, of being able to pick hard soft and have that reflected back at me. So, so if I'm picking hard and it's sort of woofing and breathing with me, it's, it's unforgiving because you can't hide anything, but, but what you get in return is, is, um, if, if you pick like a, like a spank, you get a spank. And, and that's always felt the best to me. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love or want to love or hate yeah imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that uh has impacted your life uh and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week so triangulate your speakers think about jumping off the bed singing along dancing like an idiot and listen to axe grind podcast Hey, you. Did you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, 
And my good friends Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. Very good. I, don't, I wish I, wish ahead, I could provide concrete examples, but uh, well, well, I think I think you can you can hear it in in the playing. You know, it's like a song like uh, "Better the Devil," for example. That that main uh, riff that in the verse, which is like on this kind of crunch tone, but it involves <laughs> this hammer on thing, and it's for me like that's that's like one of the hardest things to play because there's so many details in. Because a, a you don't have, you don't have distortion to hide behind, you have this really uh, and and when when we first started touring the band, I pretty much tried to mimic as much of the setup in terms of the type of guitar, the type of pickups, and even using some uh, Kemper patches you made, you know, trying to 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 kind of get as close to that. And it's dude, it's uh it's all there. And if if you're not if your technique isn't sound then it, you're going to blow it. It's going to sound like shit. <laughs> so, you know, so, yeah, so, I, so I do think it's it's evident in, in, in the playing. But, uh, yeah, just this was a nice little uh, phase of the interview for the guitar nerds. I, I, I Hopefully hopefully the non-guitar people have not turned off the uh, the show by, by now. But I, but I had to talk about it because it's uh, it's relevant and it's, it's, it's stuff that I think people want to know because there's – I don't know. I feel like there's just less bands with a uh, iconic sound, you know, there that where you go, oh, you hear that tone. Oh, that's. And I think there's a few of them, right? It's like Gojira has a sound, you know. Mm-hmm. Even you know, Five Finger Death Punch has a sound. Machine Head has a sound, and I think it's it's really important. But when everyone's using similar gear, maybe now a lot of things are moving to plugins, um, right. and it's and it's harder to you know when you you can listen to kind of. 10 bands on octane and you're probably going to hear a lot of similar tonal qualities you know in the, in the guitar tone right um uh, to that i would say <laughs> hide less pick more <laughs> hide less pick more. dude that was god forbid that was our big thing man it was was we kind of went zigged whenever it was zagging and we, we used a lot of mid-range and kind of brought the game down and re- like I think our best guitar tone was this album Constitution of Treason and the key to the sound was this reamp with a um, a line six flex tone and it had and it got all the clean picking out of that so it was that kind of combined with the uh with the 5150 which had the more kind of saturated kind of sizzly sound and that brought the clarity but it was something that you know always sounded better to me like you know where a lot of that spongy distortion you know, just stuff gets lost. Details get lost, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, exactly. Lost details. Not, I'm not into anything that would, that would lose details. A a lot of what ends up happening is I've been battling mid scoop my whole life because I'm super into the, the chunk and the pick clarity. And so I've been slowly sneaking mids back in and I've got this, I think a perfect amount right now where uh, so much of it is based on the cab sound too, but it's it's a careful neurotic balance. And I guess one of my favorite things is uh, 
to be neurotic about it and, and to be as honest as I can with myself about what I'm hearing. A lot of time, a lot of, I spent a lot of time sort of having a, a, a sort of a bias, a, a call it a wish bias about what I needed this thing to sound like such that I wouldn't be hearing the truth of the matter. And it took me a long time to get really honest with my ears and myself. Um, for example, if, if you got, if you got a new piece of gear and it's not doing what you want it to, or, you know, you, you think you can believe in it, but the old thing is better. It hurts to admit just finding a way to navigate all these, all these little things. But, uh, as I look at the setup here, it's, it's shockingly simple. I would say, yeah, use short, very short cable lengths and uh, a minimal set of pedals. <laughs> See, I'm learning. I'm lear learning more. Even though he explained me his uh, signal chain one time, and I'd probably have to go to some two-year technical course to even really understand what he said. Like he, like you, like you can't even steal secrets if you don't really understand what they're talking about. So it was, it was quite, quite an experience. Um, I, I'd like to move on now. I was kind of trying to get a, sure. a little away from the, the tech talk and a little more into kind of um, your story and kind of how you got from A to B. And, you know, in in the in the mix of what was going on, or I guess, around 2016, when sure. I guess we were, fin you know, because essentially the, the way I ended up in Bad Wolves, before it was called Bad Wolves, at the time it was called Eye of Tongues, was... <laughs> Uh, you know, the the band essentially was was getting going. Tommy had joined up and the, the record was getting finished up. And I remember hearing hearing some of the stuff and being really impressed by it. And John asked me to join the band back in 2014 when I, uh, before it was even a band, when it was still like, you know, the demos. And I, I remember hearing it and going, literally just leaving God forbid and being like, I, I really don't want to join a super technical metal band. Like I was just like, I, need, I was doing my other kind of like, you know, kind of prog rock band and I was trying different things. I was just like, I was, wasn't ready for it. <clears throat> but when he, he asked me in 2016, I was replacing you because you no, uh, no longer wanted to be in the band as in terms of uh, the front facing part of it, in terms of touring and things like that, even though you were still working on material behind, behind the scenes. Uh, so what was going on with you that, you know, that had you made a decision to not want to be in the band full time, really right when all the activity was happening and actually things were, you know, there was stuff actually happening and, you know, thing, there was actually some movement. Long story short, I didn't understand that it was viable. What does um, that mean? Viable. Viable. Like, basically, I thought I still had this gut notion i don't know why just ill-informed really but i still believed that it was a massive massive risk to my life and my momentum as a professional you weren't to wrong what <laughs> but i mean so watching any band is a giant risk to your personal uh finances <laughs> and sanity and you know so there I was sort of getting gaining some momentum as a guitar tech. And and that's something that I had absolute sovereign control of. You know, my my skill set and my reputation 
were were things that I could control. And it, to me at the time, it was a scary thing to gamble uh, time and money and all this on on public perception. That that was at least the thought in my head. I I think I was undervaluing at the time how cool it would have been to take seriously uh, music writing and playing. As I've I've already, I've come to that conclusion. It took me another six years of deciding, but it it happened interestingly enough so it always came back it's always come back to square one and that's been a theme in my life but um yeah at the time i really had to decide in january 2018 that that nam weekend and so there were a couple forks in the road because i i basically felt like okay i've been a guitar tech for a while now there's a bit of a glass ceiling with the bands i'm working with so why don't i go learn monitors and maybe some tming pming type of stuff and then all at the same time at that weekend, I was supposed to decide firmly and forever if I was going to join Bad Wolves. Can I ask you a question? So was yeah. So this was well into the band being out there because the band debuted with Learn to Live in summer of 2017 and 2018 is when Zombie and tours and everything's happening. So was the proposal for you to be a third guitar player? Yes. Okay. I can't, I, I couldn't remember. I think. Yeah. But, um, right. So, but it's always, that's the thing. It's always been, it's always been strange. I've always been, you know, I've always been writing. I've always been attracted to the idea of playing and, but every time it, it's just sort of been knocked down by some sort of a doubt or a need to like, you know, grab the reins of my destiny or whatever. And like, you know, have it under control for myself as a tech. And, uh, you know, I wasn't really, I'm, I'm, I'm risk averse. I don't gamble, blah, blah, blah. So, it's just been this sort of back and forth winding motion until we sort of settled on. I'm not in the band, but I am writing and, and it, in a little bit of a way I had my cake and I got to eat it too. But, um, post post pandemic, my thoughts on this have changed drastically. <laughs> so here I am in the band. Yeah. But the thing I was kind of ironic uh, I think from from our perspective and maybe from your perspective too was, uh, and this is more going back to like 2016 when you initially uh, decided you didn't want to want to be with the band full time. You you joined up with Once Human, which in many right. ways was a band that was launching as well because they had one record out before you joined. Um, but the band, I guess, at that time wasn't really like a touring entity that's as far, right as far as i know they had just put out a record but you know um but that first record you know i know some of the music videos did really well online and and there was a you know it was logan so it was a known property and uh you know lauren was kind of like a star kind of out, out the gate someone that you know had this crazy you know um uh charisma and the cool look and vocal ability so the band kind of had a, a lot of you know some buzz you know, um, but it was still, it wasn't like you were joining, you know, Metallica or something. You were joining right. a, 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 an up and coming band as well that would have to establish itself. So what was the thought process there where it's like, well, I'm not going to join this band that has all these challenges of, of launching a band, but I'm going to join this band that also has maybe some challenges of launching a band, <laughs> new band. Bad Wolves was a faster moving, bigger, scarier commitment, sure. to be completely honest. Uh, there was a there was a more relaxed, easier energy 
to once human that it didn't feel as as firm or as life changing as a commitment. It was just sort of like, yeah, I'll do this. And it, it didn't weigh as much, at least in my head. Yeah. Uh, and the fact is, we did two tours in 2017. Period. Yeah. <laughs> and there, so, there was there it, there was never a great expectation that it was going to be a full time thing. It was always like, oh, uh, Logan's a producer and that's his main thing, and you're a tech and that's kind of your main thing, and you kind of do it when you can. Right. Exactly. Exactly that. And um, from the outside looking in, I know that, you know, I remember John said it was fairly upsetting that I went and joined a band after not joining a band. But it for me wasn't kind of it wasn't the same ball game. Yeah. So it was a lot easier for me to make that decision. Also, they were roommates. I like lived with them at the same house in Vegas. So like there was almost nothing to it. You know, really, where, where, where Bad Wolves was like, "All right, saddle up. Here we go. It's gonna be big." Like, Ooh. <laughs> I don't well, know. Yeah. It didn't. It didn't click with me quite yet. Yeah. Well, but the, uh, can I ask this? And this, you know, because I was, you know, listening to some of the Once Human stuff to prepare for this, and you listen to the first Once Human record. There's a very kind of definitive, almost like um, modern arch enemy kind of type thing like had this kind of you know melodic death metal kind of thing happening and that second record when you joined really sounds like you like it's it seems very much uh, a reflection of your writing style your riffing style your melodic sensibility uh it says it sounds like max going just full metal like how heavy and and kind of nasty can 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 you get with it so was there something appealing about maybe having a little more kind of creative control over a situation. Yes. Oh, okay. uh, at, at the time, as, as I was sort of describing earlier, I was still attached to ideas. Um, and so, in, you know, in starting to work with John, for example, I, I would be attached with ideas. And then over the course from 2014 to 2016 or 17, there were continual changes to existing demos to make them more and more uh, palatable. Because as you said, you said you didn't, you heard the demos in 2014 and you didn't want to join such a technical band. That points to the fact that I was that, like yes, intimidated. I was intimidated slash and I was also like, I'm looking for, looking for something just a little different. You know? Well, dude, the, those earlier demos, 100% were very technical and, and John was into it. Because he felt like, you know, it was cool to prove a point. I was into it because I felt like it was cool to prove a point. But as that idea sat, it it didn't sit well with John. And uh, and it did sit well with me because that's the thing I felt like I had signed up for. Yeah. So over the course of starting what became Bad Wolves with John and into what it became, it became uh, less and less extreme. And I was still attached to that extreme. Sure. And at you know when when i was able to send unmitigated max riffs to to logan and lauren and and have them be like you know just gushing over it and just like yeah 
get it in come on you know it's just like <laughs> all right plus like it worked with like you know my ability to continue teching and so so that it at the time i suppose it was an easy decision it wasn't an easy decision it was a total mind fuck the entire sure. thing but um now now that i've done that i i feel like you know, I still, for example, I said earlier, once human is the balls in my court, it still exists as much as I, or we want it to. And it's, it's an outlet for that, but it, because I've gone through those motions and I've lived a little bit, I can sort of see that like, you know, my definition as a human isn't based on the riffs really. And so I, I really, what I'm really enjoying about writing lately, especially with you and John in the same room, is that I feel less like a person who needs to make a statement and more like a conduit to what can be. So, yes, please push me outside of my comfort zone because it is in that space that, you know, my preferences will, will merge with something I would never otherwise do and make something unique. And that's been the magic of... Uh, that kind of feeling started on nation definitely went into the third record and is absolutely happening now. You know, there, there are things I would never do left to my own devices uh, just because I have my habits, I suppose, but um, I I'm really enjoying being a, a sort of an open book, a sort of guy that can task, have input and make something bigger than what I would do alone. I'm, I'm enjoying that it's more than the sum of our parts. I really am. Uh, and just yesterday I wrote something that was very weird and once humany. And so like the, the energy is still in there. Um, I just, there's less of a point to prove. It just both can exist. I don't know. It, I grew up, whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's funny that you were like attached to this. I'm talking about like when you, during the first record, you were attached to this one version of the band. And me, yes. I kind of really needed that shift in the material once the band signed to 11.7 with like No Masters and, uh, you know, the Hear Me Now and um, Jesus, Jesus Slaves. Like I needed, even like Officer Down, right, was a lot more, even though it had very like some techie riffs, structurally, it was straightforward. And it was a little more up my alley, and I, I, I needed that stuff that was just enough going to scratch that thing of like, you know, I don't know, just something that was a little more tangible for what I was into. You know, that was I want to do the heavy, but I also need I like this rock thing, and I like this straightforward groove thing, and and sim simplicity. You know, because I, I pretty much got all of the I need to be technical. Um, <laughs> out of my system with with god forbid like even now like i'm playing god forbid songs to prepare for this reunion and it's like every section of every song is a guitar thing right like it, yeah there's at no point is there is the guitar not doing something that's either rigorous or kind of meant to be at the at, at the forefront and i've kind of graduated out of that so it's uh it's interesting and now and now that look the band's kind of went way in the other direction <laughs> With like you know extremely straightforward rock songs and very polished kind of radio fare, and it's 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 funny because now we're working on the new album, and you can't get away from all that. But I'm also like the being the kind of like executive producer guy, like kind of big picture. I'm always trying to like 
all right, let's let's not be afraid to go back to our roots. Let's not be afraid to be who we are and fuck and just do something that's just nasty because it's nasty. But don't lose the other thing, which is like the hook and the simplicity and the right, you know, the meat. You know, so I'm always like, even if it's not my idea, I'm just trying to be that that one who's like nipping and tucking to keep it within a certain range of 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 what I want to hear. You know, which is basically like. You know, every, I, I want the band to be up there with the Avenged Sevenfolds and the Ghosts and, you know, Five Fingers. I, I think we have that potential, but you look at those bands, they understand certain things, you know, in terms of songwriting and presentation that you have to take note of or else you're probably not going to be in that caliber or, you know, even have a shot at that, you know? Right. Uh, attachment to to ideas i found is mostly a hindrance yeah so there's there's an element of um being able to accept uh change and something new even moment to moment as you're writing and, and to be to be challenged by another it's uh i used to only and exclusively write alone and it was it was like my happy place but just knowing someone's going to hear it can change what the result's going to be for me. Like yeah. if I, if I like just picture doc in my mind, like what's he going to say <laughs> as I'm writing, the riff will be different or the, 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 the net result will be different than if I were uh, just writing completely alone and in this like solo headspace. So, so knowing John's going to hear something, knowing enough about him to make that determination or even especially having him in the room, having you in the room, it, it, fundamentally changes the output of the music and um and i think that's what's special about uh working with people when it works <laughs> uh and right so there's there's a little bit i considered you know for a long time i considered the riffs that i wrote alone and got attached to and listened to over and over i considered it a little bit of an addiction or a little bit like jacking off, it's just sort of self-congratulatory a little bit. Like, who's this helping really? I don't know. So, so helping you, uh, right? That's jacking off helps <laughs> the individual who's jacking off. It's a, it's yeah. <laughs> I suppose it does, but but at the end of the day, if you're, I don't know. Some some things are best shared. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so, you were doing once human you know when you could make making records and but you were also teching and, and you were ascending in that world uh yes. as as a guitar tech getting bigger bigger gigs arena acts um and i'm sure i'm not and within that there was a pandemic which which uh hindered uh yours and in, in many of our ability to 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 make the kind of living we were accustomed to um, especially, but for, for those who were, were touring, uh, like yourself, that's, that, that was a big, big hit. Um, what in your, your mind frame evolved to where, uh, being in Bad Wolf seemed like something that you'd want to do? I mean, I mean, outside of just the fact that the slot was available. So when the pandemic hit, I, I said, all right, it's pedal to the metal on music writing time, because this is the one thing I can do and specialize in and I have the time for it. And so I, I sent myself into 
a frenzy of work because it's all I could do uh, way too much. I, I definitely had classic burnout uh, in late 2020 and definitely early 2021. How many, how, by the way, how much stuff you, you did, you wrote at least one, once human record, you, we, you know, collectively, what well, we wrote probably two albums worth of Bad Wolves songs. You so did, you did how many covers for Tommy? I don't know, fucking twenty. <laughs> I think actually between originals. I apologize if this number is wrong. Between originals and then the Patreon covers, I think it did forty or fifty things for Bad Wolves. And then I wrote the the Scar Weaver album. That's all me instrumentally for Once Human. And then I wrote these like just sort of practice radio rock songs. That was a learning experience. One of which I, I definitely you you call it radio rock. I just think it's just sick like groove <laughs> metal. And I, I, I want to re- rehash this one song so bad. So I'm at John isn't five that much, but you know fuck fuck him. Doc Coyle, all right? <laughs> now, so sometimes you got to say, fuck somebody, and then throw your name on it. You know, I love John, but I would say it to his face. Like, fuck you, John. We're using this song. Or I'll, I hope. No, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to bulldoze anyone, but I, I would love to work on the song. Really now, cool. you got to, with him, you got to fight fire with fire. He's like the Kool-Aid man. I'll just, you know what I mean? So, so you're That's doing right. the right thing. That's fuck right. you, That's John. right. That's right. <laughs> uh, love you. Um, love you, too. So, yeah, and then I told John, you know what, I, end of 2021, you know what, John, next record's on you. I want nothing to do with the creative process. I'm out. I'm out. I'm gone. That's it. Have a good one. I'm going to tech now. And then I went on tour as a tech for the first time in January um, and found that I had changed. Yeah. Uh, I was in the midst of that big ghost fall beat tour as stage left guitar tech and key tech and the same congratulatory (laughs) elements to uh, a hard day of work were were sort of missing or not enough uh, for me and i realized i had sort of my opinions my gut feelings about the job it sort of changed also as a band gets bigger and bigger uh you can't you gotta love what you're doing because your schedule is more and more predetermined and your hours are longer uh, as the act gets bigger. Because, you know, when I started teching, it was like Cold Chamber, Devil Driver, Fear Factory. It's, it's easy to have a couple hours off in the afternoon and to like know who you are as a human. And I mean, a very realistic sense, but even as a backline tech, no, you're not starting first thing in the morning with the stage manager or rigging or lights or what have you. But once you start, uh, there are many days, many days, many days where you just don't stop. Yeah. And uh, and it sort of it, it sort of shined a bright light on, okay, who am I and what do I really want? Because this is how the days are going. Is this me? And I sort of had the feeling, you know what? I can do this. I do enjoy things about this a lot. But then I started asking the question after I was like fixing frets one day because they got destroyed turns out nickel frets are just cold butter if you press them hard enough they just they're just cold butter so you know i was i was doing a a level and a crown on a show day in texas and it was all hectic and i was hungry and i was out of it and in the midst of doing this i'm thinking what's the difference as i'm 
you know, filing the frets. What's the difference between me and the guy I'm handing this guitar to? Really? What is the difference? Because I can do what he's doing, but like, what's the difference? It's just an idea, an idea about myself, I guess. Uh, or some, some facet of my ego that I never had the balls to put on my sleeve or something. I, I don't like, know. I was like, you actually might be making more than player you're handing it to i don't know <laughs> no it wasn't about money it was about it was about identity it was just like here yeah. i am just like okay yes i can do this but why yeah. and so it's it's very interesting very 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 interesting that you know a couple of weeks after i started asking myself those questions in early march i got a call like do you want to join bad wolves so that was awkwardly serendipitous but it couldn't have come at a better time because i i knew firsthand that i was ready you know and so i thought about it officially for three days took took some time bounced the idea off a couple trusted friends and and uh there wasn't there wasn't a single bit of doubt even though months prior i'd said i'm done i'm done with the writing and the everything it, it's uh it was it was so clear and obvious the feeling that I'm going to be spending time doing something. And I've, I've now experienced what it is to come out of a pandemic and to spend time doing the thing at a more professional level that I used to identify with inherently. And it's not really zinging anymore. So the theme of, of recent weeks and months has been living my truth as hallmark as that sounds. Um, but it's nice to know that kind of the, the high school drive, you know, the thing that's always been there is the thing that has persisted. And like, I, I can, I can, I've been dancing around it for years. If you look at my, the pattern of what I really enjoy and my true passion and what I've been doing, sometimes I dip into it and then I fucking orbit around it for a while. And I learn things about it through teching and I do this and that and the other thing. And I have all these other ideas about how I'm supposed to fit in society but it's always an orbit around this main thing. And I finally just decided to crash into that thing, you know, because it, there's nowhere I keep, there's no point in continuing to orbit, keeping it at arm's length, really, my opinion. <laughs> um, what's been, I guess, you know, cause you, this is fairly recent, you know, that you've come back in, into the fold. And I think even, even for us, you know, cause like you said, we were, essentially preparing for life beyond having you be involved in the band. And we were actually fairly comfortable with that. It's obviously a little scary because having someone with the caliber, caliber of, of your talent and so distinct to the sound, it was like, I was thinking, I was like, all right, well now I need to step up and it needs to be my sound. And I was, so it was this weird thing of like going backwards to go forward. Right. Uh, because we were uh, reapproaching something, but it was, C completely intuitive for all of us right as soon as uh we knew uh chris wasn't going to be involved it was like well let's see if max can can wants to do this and the fact that you were so excited about it was not only surprising but like <laughs> almost like uh, like it was like a revelation like oh my god this almost feels like we have a new lease on life because you're uh, your energy is so positive, you know, around, around, uh, you know, being, being back in, in involved and that's, and, and bands need that, you know, you need vitality, you need enthusiasm, 
um, or just any environment that's a that's a collective kind of work cre- creative environment. You need everyone needs to be kind of bought in to to it to whatever that that is. Um, what do you? A, I guess, you know, since it's so fresh, but, you know, you've done a music video, you've shot some photos, we've, you know, we had a week of, of writing sessions and things like that. I mean, what's, how does it feel so far? And, you know, does it feel different than it was before? Like your kind of perspective on it, on everything? There is still a very, very bubbly optimism to everything that's happening. Uh, I hope it doesn't go away, so still let's put an asterisk on that i i mean i, I hope i don't need to <laughs> you know anyway but how's it feel like it feels like i'm the only one i had to convince that this was possible mm. really and so so that's that's a lot of what's going on upstairs for me is uh knowing that it's safe and believe you know i could i could believe in what i'm doing that's so exciting and and like it's always kind of been there um writing was great because you and john are massively experienced and talented people and so i felt like i was in the right place uh i was getting that that message daily like this this is correct this feels good and and when I'm doing something that doesn't feel right, I will get messages like, this is incorrect. You know, uh, you know, patience levels with certain jobs I did in the past, I would, I would start with uh, the ability to handle it. But as time went on, I would, I would have less and less patience for doing certain jobs, even if they paid well. And through the years, it's been this like process of crossing those things off the list until now nothing is left except the thing I've always wanted to do fundamentally. Yeah. So like teching was like the last thing that I felt like I could really enjoy, really stand doing for a lot of time and really I pour myself into. But on the last tour or two, I just got this sort of this message that I'm all too familiar with, like time's up. <laughs> so, so doing this felt like a finally just acknowledging that it's like, okay to do the thing I've wanted to do. Do you have any um, goals as far as like musically you want to accomplish with this next record or where you want the band to go or what you kind of see yourself fitting into a, a very different environment? Because like I said, but obviously Bad Wolves is a metal band, but we have this giant footprint in this kind of mainstream rock world, which is a, a different kind of culture i guess essentially than what you you've been involved in as a creator not obviously with a band like ghost who is uh well steeped in that in in, in that world like what do you what do you like what do you want out of the kind of the future couple things uh to to be strong enough as an individual to serve the song selflessly that that's a strength that i think is continuing to grow through doing this admirable you know, being pushed out of my comfort zone is, is a wonderful thing because it, you know, every time, every time in working with John or, or, or you, uh, I would do things or we end up doing things that are different than what I would do alone. And I'm super proud of them. And I'm, I'm, I'm even more proud that like I could fathom that, that they came out of me or something. And so, so I like, I like being pushed and challenged like that because 
good songs are good songs and my attachment to weird darker sounding ideas doesn't doesn't need to dictate everything that i do um i feel that you know i i i bought back some time i bought back time for me in joining bad wolves and time for who i really am and what i really want to do so of course expanding myself you know as a guitar player that's that's a big one because i've i've had my set of interests and i've pursued them and i've really dug into them and they've been part of recording but there are those massive gaping holes i feel like now would be a great time to start addressing them i maybe i won't but uh considering that this is my job i mean i've certainly learned how to put hours into something so that's that's a thing i want to do and um and music music writing has actually always been a bit heavy for me uh emotionally how so so typically when i know i'm on the verge of writing something good uh i'll get flooded by a lot of uncomfortable memories like stuff from childhood nothing horrible just kind of embarrassing stuff like if I said something embarrassing to a girl once, or a girl, that'll pop up in my head and, and like, ugh, and it, I'll just have to focus past it. It's almost like a little, I, I keep making this example, it feels like sometimes like a deep tissue massage, but of emotions. Mm-hmm. And then it, it hurts, it's uncomfortable. And then you sort of focus past it as you're working or as I'm working. And then I sort of break free into this open feeling space of, of fun bubbly optimism but but every time there's something mildly gut-wrenching about writing music and um i suppose going further down that rabbit hole uh understanding more about that process and maybe taking the catastrophe out of it and just just sort of understanding that it's not gonna hurt me you know because i that that was one of the apprehensions i guess you could say about writing music full-time is that uh it is actually emotionally challenging where there's something very cut and dry about teching. And, um, and I always felt like, uh, <laughs> I mean, even, even to this day, I, I can get a little more emotional as I'm working. Not it's way better than it used to be. But like when I first started writing with John, I would get like grumpy and shit. And like, he'd be like, just try this idea. I'm like, no, that sucks. Fuck, fuck off. I hate it. Just try it. And I did it. And I'm like, that's really good. I like it. And then I like listen to that a million times and I love it. And so <laughs> learning to sort of get past whatever emotional barrier that is, that's a strange one. Anyway, uh, that's, that, that'd be a good thing. And also, um, yeah, just continuing to, to get pushed out of my comfort zone. What, um, so when that emotion or the, or the memory kind of comes up and it's tied to the the creative output is that you think the, the the creative process is like a way that you're kind of exercising a demon or like help dealing with your old shit or is it like there's something actually triggering about creating that all of a sudden bad memories like is it is the creative thing helping you deal with shit or is it bringing up old old bad mojo it it brings it up and then it releases it hmm. um pretty regularly that's that's like a normal pattern that's, uh, that's very fascinating I, that's very fascinating because I, I don't i'm genuinely like interested in like what 
the connection is to those two two things because we think about writing, especially if you're more on the like uh, you know lyric lyrical part of it, right? Where you're maybe you know bringing up a bad memory and writing about it or talking about a an uncomfortable emotion or a, a difficult relationship, and that's very like one to one intuition of why that would bring that up but it it's very it's very fascinating that coming up with instrumental music and obviously instrumental music right if it's a certain chord progressions bring up emotion right hence film scoring right <laughs> like uh and and so i don't i wonder if it's that kind of thing where maybe the the feeling of of a musical passage or piece of music makes you feel a certain way. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm getting too deep into the details of it, but it's very interesting to me. It feels like a lot of what, what bubbles up is, is very kind of random. Very often it's old. Yeah. Um, it, I'm not sure if it's about necessarily exercising a demon, but the, the, the process is pretty much as follows. I'll start a session. I'll write the first riff. It'll suck. I'll get into what I think the next riff should be. I'll start to focus on that. I'll start to get uncomfortable. I'll continue focusing on that, c continuing to play to the click and just, you know, being present. And by, you know, riffs two and three are typically like very good. And by the end of that, I feel this kind of light excitement and I'm not being bombarded by shit. I feel like I've exercised it. And, um, and that's my typical string of riffs <laughs> that happens. Uh, so to, you know, that's, that's, that's my repeat pattern over and over. But when I'm working with, with someone else who's like, Hey, move this here, change this. It's, it's a nice challenge to be able to, uh, have to adapt on the fly uh, to being able to put song parts together where I otherwise would be going down an emotional rabbit hole. It's <laughs> fascinating, man. It's a, it's interesting, man, because you're probably one of the most kind of um, like present creative people I've, I've been around in, in terms of that, you know, you could have a, a handful of, you know, musicians sitting around trying to work on a part and it's like you get stuck and it goes, anyone, anyone got something? And maybe everyone stumps, but I feel like we, we throw the ball to you and you intuitively will always can kind of just pull something great out of your hat. And there's no like barricade between, uh, you know, that process because usually the barricade in that process is thinking, right? Is intellectual, right? It's like the way to just get out is to not think, is just to be and let it flow out. And you don't seem to have uh, anything disrupting that process to me. Because I've seen if, it in real time so many times of just like, hey, Max, come up with something. And it's like five minutes later, it's like, oh, that's only that's the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> um, if only that were true across the board for me, very present. Ugh. Well, I mean, but thoughts, but, but, but thoughts didn't get in the way. But no, but, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's almost like um, the two ideas contradict themselves because you're you're someone who 
on one hand can be really neurotic about all these other things and overthink it, but then when it comes to that creative thing, the you know somehow, like you said, it literally evokes this like almost like seminal primordial uh emotion right and then all of a sudden but it's connected to the creativity it's like i don't know man i feel like i, I hope i don't feel like i'm being your uh your therapist right now but it it it, it is just it's it's just very fascinating to me you know i'm, I'm very like interested in like why that well, is there, and where it comes from you know there could be something to that but it's now my full-time job to face that basically <laughs> so um i'll let you know more when i find it but uh I guess the other thing about being a guy alone with some form of recording tool has been that one of my main goals has been imagining or hearing the next part. Yeah. And so I hear, I hear a lot of, I've got my ear trained on hearing possibilities often in strange dissonance. Um, and, and a lot of that is just, I think brain training, yeah. just, 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 can you, uh, can your, can your gut jump when it hears a couple notes in a certain order to make you think to, to, to latch onto that as a, as an entity and say, that's, Oh, I can hear the possibility from that, that, that evokes some sort of excitement. Fuck me. Maybe it is emotional. You know, maybe I have to open the emotional door to hear the possibilities more. Maybe that's just something without knowing that I've trained. I don't know. I don't want to ascribe any yeah. firm definition to it because it could be more or less, but uh, perhaps. That's yeah, but, well, it's also a thing, thing too. It's kind of like trying to, uh, you know, herd a cloud or something where the, the, more, you, <laughs> the, more, you, the more you think about it, it actually hurts the process, right? When any, anytime you try and, like, uh, formulate something, it's like, no, it's better off. Leave it mysterious, and it, it, it'll, it'll keep its, its sense of kind of purity to, to whatever degree, you know? If I had my shades here, I'd put them on right now and just say, like, hold the guitar. I don't know, man. <laughs> No, you just go. Comes from God, baby. I'm just a, I'm just a <laughs> vessel. All right, a vessel for the Lord. All right, the Lord of riffs. You know. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, well, yeah. well, listen, brother. Um, I pretty much, you know, covered everything I, I, I wanted to uh, discuss here. Um, is there anything that I'm missing that you want to express? It's the X Men audience. They've been waiting. All right, even if they didn't know they were waiting. They were waiting for this, this, this conversation. And the Bad Wolves fans, I'm gonna you know put this out on on Bad Wolves social media, and everyone's gonna get to uh, you know get to know you a little more, and that's that's really uh, it's really important. There was uh, this line in that that like Star Trek remake where Spock says to Spock something to the effect of "This is oddly self-serving." This I would say it about this podcast, <laughs> but. Um, Podcast, a, a medium for people who like to hear themselves talk. So you know they like <laughs> well, to sound like... their own 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 voices. So it's 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 you know it's a little. There's been a lot of kind of a self uh, you know filleting uh, terminology. I think in this in, in this that might be the theme of this. You know, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, what would I say? What would I say as a final note to people? I'd say if you're making art, um, it's okay to be uncomfortable because, and it's, it's okay to acknowledge 
the honesty. I think I think there's a lot. I'm fairly out of touch with a lot of modern music. I hate I hate to say this. I probably shouldn't be more in touch with other bands, music, and things that are happening in the world. But I, for mostly worse. For mostly worse, I keep a fairly closed loop, and um, and I, maybe I'm overprotective or something. But I think I think a lot of a lot of sounds and a lot of styles, even the technology, comes in waves and informs a lot of what people do. But uh, the most progress I've ever made in in making the thing my own, you said I have a sound, uh, is just from having a kind of a more solo very very personal relationship with with the the art and the craft and the tools and you know it wasn't anything other than that i needed it to sound spankier that i started picking hard at a younger age or something and that that informed that i prefer passive pickups that have a ton of high end and, and shit like that and so i i would say if in in any endeavor if you're making art uh yeah if if you get uncomfortable i would say you're probably doing it right there you go you you heard it from the man first keep it spanky people keep it spanky keep it, keep it spanky all right dude max I, I love you brother i'm so so happy to have you uh in in the fold in 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 the fullest capacity possible and i'm i'm we're we're gonna come meet you in vegas in what like a, a week from now or something like that we're gonna go yep. session number two and i, I it's it's really exciting. It's a really exciting time to be be in this band because uh, I know we're just scratching the surface of of something really special, and it's a it's a time. You know, my goal is not that you ask, but I'm telling the people is, is to really you know have the band uh, get to its truest self, uh, whatever that is, um, and and have that be as unencumbered as possible, um, and be the band that we want to hear more than anything, and not make a record for anyone else except us. So that's 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 my goal. Beautiful. So I'm excited. All right, brother, you have a great rest of your night and I will see you in like a week, all right? All right, man. Good talk. Take care, brother. See ya. Bye.
So you just heard the track entitled Deadlock, and that's from Once Humans' last album, and that was featuring Mr. Rob Flynn from the Almighty Machine Head on vocals there. And I just wanted to you know show you guys some of Mac's other handiwork if you hadn't heard Once Human. Great band, really cool record. And I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Max. Uh, that was a lot of fun for me. He's such a insightful and, and thoughtful person. And I even got to learn a lot myself uh, about, uh, you know, kind of how his brain works and some of his background and, and all that stuff, man. He's a, he's a really impressive guy. And it's, a, it's an absolute pleasure to be in a band with him. But I'm just glad I got this opportunity to uh, have my audience, the, the podcast audience, get to know him a little better as well as the, the Bad Wolves fans because that's what it's all about, you know? Uh, he's been there for a while, but now he's out, out in the forefront. But that was a lot of fun. Thank you, Max, for for being on the show. And I thank you all for, for, for listening. I'm at the end of this day, my first day of this, this juice cleanse, and it's pretty rough. <laughs> uh, got a he- booming headache right now. Like, I'm not even that hungry right now, but, but the headache d- does not help. And I'm very tired. So I'm going to go to sleep. Thank you for listening. Keep rocking. And Mamba's out. It is now 2024, and the choice is up to you. Do you listen to good podcasts, or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you. How about you listen to a good podcast for the first time in your miserable life? I can think of one. Overnight Drive. Going strong. 11 years now. The podcast about nothing. Your favorite podcast's favorite podcast. Do you enjoy nothing? <laughs> so do we. Why don't you come over and check it out and stop listening to other podcasts? Thank you. <laughs>